This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, and there's a lot to talk about today, so let's dispense with the usual snarky comment about my town and get right to it. Democrats are gathering in Hotlanta tonight for the latest in a seemingly never-ending series of presidential debates. Any bets as to how many times they'll mention the impeachment hearings? Governor Ron DeSantis led the charge earlier this year for a new law, allowing Floridians to get their prescription meds from Canada. Turns out that may take a couple of years. Florida Supreme Court Justice Robert Luck has been confirmed by the U.S. Senate for a seat on the federal appeals court in Atlanta. Florida Congressman Vern Buchanan files a bipartisan bill in D.C. to ban cosmetic testing on animals. On the Sunrise interview, we talk with Michael Williams, who's heading up a new anti-poverty program at the Florida Chamber of Commerce called the Prosperity Initiative. We'll also check out your calendar of events and chronicle the latest follies of Florida Man, including the guy who punched a Little League umpire and the overweight man who was caught smuggling drugs in the fold of his rather substantial belly. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, November 20th. The Democratic presidential primary candidates will be in Atlanta tonight for their latest debate airing live on MSNBC from 9 until 11. Only 10 candidates will appear on the stage. That's down two from last month's Democratic debate. Former Texas Representative Beto O'Rourke has dropped out of the race. And former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro missed the debate polling requirements for the first time. The usual Democratic issues of health care, taxes, immigration and gun control are likely to come up again. But the impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump are likely to take center stage. Florida Supreme Court Justice Robert Luck has been confirmed by the Senate for a seat on the federal appeals court in Atlanta. The vote was 64 to 31. Luck is a 40-year-old native of South Miami who served less than a year on the state's highest court before being nominated to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, which includes Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Later this week, the Senate is expected to confirm the nomination of Barbara Lagoa, a 52-year-old Hialeah native who was the first Cuban-American woman on the Florida Supreme Court. She has also been nominated to the 11th Circuit. Back in the spring, the state legislature approved and the governor signed a law allowing the importation of prescription drugs from Canada. As any Florida snowbird can tell you, drug prices north of the border are much lower, in part because they don't allow drug companies to gouge sick people in the name of free enterprise. State Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa says these are the very same drugs sold in America, but they're only a fraction of the cost. One of the representatives that just left here was talking about her daughter who's been in Uh, diabetic for quite some time, and that her daughter can buy her insulin in Canada for $20 a vial. So that is the the crime here, and that is the egregious aspect of of what's happening. You know, healthcare, insulin, should not be a privilege. It should not be a privilege. Healthcare is a human right. But Representative Nick Durant of Miami says Florida cannot do this without approval from the feds. We passed the Canadian and uh, the Canadian and Foreign Importation Drug Act that we were ele- where we would facilitate the ability for us to purchase drugs from outside the United States. Uh, and the genesis to that was to help us bring down the cost of medicines to folks and Floridians across the state. Now, one of the things that's that that we know about that bill is that it has to run the ringer in federal uh, up there up there in, in D.C. Uh, and I saw uh, Secretary Mayhew a couple of days ago comment that it may take about two years for them to even create the rules for this to even be get, be, become implemented here in the state of Florida. The idea of opening Florida to Canadian drugs was championed by Governor Ron DeSantis. He knew it would take time. What he did not expect was the dramatic reaction by Big Pharma, which tried to kill the bill in Tallahassee and is now working to thwart it in Washington. Well, so we, you know, that was something that we, uh, we anticipated. Now, there was obviously a huge opposition to this when we were doing it. Um, I mean, I'd never seen so many ads and stuff 
I don't even watch, I mean, I'm watching cartoons with my kids and I think I saw the, the, uh, the thing on there. Um, they hired almost every lobbyist in this town. That was probably the biggest stimulus this town has seen in a long time. Um, and so we knew that that was gonna be tough, but then we also knew once you go to this next phase, I mean, that lobbying and that stuff doesn't stop. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce was running ads in DC after our bill was signed saying that this is bad news. So um, I can tell you this though, uh, when I see the president, he will ask about this. And he says, are my guys working as fast as they can? And so I told Secretary Mayhew, you know, whatever we need to do to make sure that it's, that it's moving forward, um, you know, that's what we wanna do. And so I wish I could say that this will happen tomorrow, but I just know how Washington works. And I know specifically when you get into something that is dealing with probably the most powerful industry in Washington, certainly one of the top two or three, um, it, it, just, it just is never easy. But I will say, you know, the president's really committed to this. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, how many people in his administration are, but I know he is. It may take a couple of years to jump through all the federal hoops, but if this works, Floridians will save a lot of money, and lawmakers will be able to say they've actually done something to reduce the cost of health care. A Florida congressman is one of the sponsors of a bill in Washington that would ban cosmetic testing on animals. Republican Vern Buchanan of Sarasota has joined Democrat Don Beyer of Virginia to introduce the bipartisan Humane Cosmetics Act. Animal rights are a pet project for Buchanan, who also serves as co-chair of the Congressional Animal Protection Caucus. He also introduced the Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act, which was approved by the Senate earlier this month. Animal rights activists have spent years battling cosmetics producers for testing their products on animals. Buchanan calls it inhumane and entirely unnecessary. Next up, a conversation with Michael Williams, who's been selected by the Florida Chamber of Commerce to head up their prosperity initiative. And speaking of prosperity, it's time to pay the bills. You're listening to Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Next on Sunrise, we ask the question, just what is the Florida Prosperity Initiative? And fortunately, we have the man who can answer that. He's the man in charge of the program, Michael Williams, longtime public relations Guru? Is that a fair term? I don't like guru, but we'll go with uh, hack. I uh, like hack. W- hack? Yeah. <laughs> Why not guru? Well, it, it gives it a sort of mystic Eastern sense. Well, it makes me sound like I know what I'm doing, too, so that's the problem. Ah, uh, okay. Well, all right, we'll call you the hack. Then. But, <laughs> but in my heart, you'll always be the guru for PR here, Michael. So tell me this initiative that you're now in charge of. What exactly is that all about? It's by the Florida Chamber, right? Sure. It's uh, the Florida Chamber Foundation. Uh, it's the Florida Prosperity Initiative. It's kind of something that was born out of a series of conversations between Mark Wilson, who's the chamber president, and uh, former speaker Will Weatherford, who was my old boss when I was in the, right. in the house. Uh, and, and, you know, that's something that Speaker Weatherford was very passionate about uh, during his time as speaker, something he really wanted to address. He was one of these compassionate conservatives. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, he had a, he had a personal connection to it. And it's something I've got a personal connection to as well. My wife was a teacher in uh, Frenchtown and and out in, uh, at Fort Braden as well. So I've I've seen some 
some of the communities in Tallahassee that are in desperate need. Um, you know, I've I've had time to do uh, all kinds of missionary work all over the country, um, and I've seen the one thing I'm, I, I know about any any population, any kid, um, whether they're rich, poor, none of them chose the uh, situation they were born into, um, and so to to let somebody's uh, opportunity be defined by the zip code they live in is something that is just not acceptable. So how do you, how do you deal with that? What are the issues you have to address with the prosperity initiative? So we've got about 10 root causes of poverty that we've identified. Um, generational poverty is specifically what we're talking about. There's kind of okay. situational poverty and there's generational poverty. Uh, generational poverty is what we're focusing on. Um, you know, those, those 10 causes can be anything from food security to healthcare, um, availability, health outcomes, um, job ab- availability, education. It's kind of all across the board. Um, it's, it's things that we all deal with on a, on a daily basis, but there's, uh, certain places, certain people who, who just don't have the same opportunities. Um, and, and they've been put in this position where, uh, through no fault of their own, especially the children through no fault of their own, uh, they're facing these obstacles that a lot of us don't even know exist that, or that we take for granted. So is this going to be a lobbying effort? Do you work with community groups? Is it, is it uh, NGAs? How exactly do you reach out to people and help them? Sure. So we're kind of uh, we're working on quarterbacking this between uh, private sector, uh, public sector, community organization. Um, the, the, main, the main target right now is to raise awareness uh, that, that these problems exist in communities. We've talked to, we just got back from a meeting yesterday in Orlando with a bunch of different groups. And one of the things that uh, is most prevalent when you start talking about this is people s- start thinking, well, yeah, this is an issue, but it's not in my neighborhood. And we, thanks to uh, Dr. Jerry Parrish and our, our chief economist at the chamber and some data that he's been able to pull together, we have to the zip code level, we have the number of children in poverty uh, in how, each zip code. How bad is it all in general in Florida? In general, you know, depending on where you are, it's not that bad. We have about 983 zip codes in Florida. Um, Of those 983, 148 of the zip codes contain 50% of the children in poverty. We have about 3 million people in poverty uh, in the state. About 900,000 of those are children. Um, And that's, that's unacceptable. It's, it's not a number that for a state that could be the if it were a country, it'd be the seventeenth largest economy in the world, and we still have nine hundred thousand children in poverty. That's something that needs to be addressed. Um, so by breaking that down to the zip code level, you know, you look at this at a statewide level, it's it's just too big of a monster to get your hands around. When you break it down to a zip code level or a county level, it's still too big. Zip code level, it's still really a little bit too big, but it's what we have to work with. Um, and getting within those neighborhoods, within the zip codes, and connecting the right organizations with uh, the right populations in need. And this is not a short-term fix that we're looking at. This is a, a long-term goal. Our goal is by the year 2030 to, to cut the number of children in poverty in half. Now, one of the standard answers in, in past years would have been the, the simplest solution is to get a decent job. Uh, does it need to be more than that? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a, a huge piece of this is, is workforce, um, helping people get uh, be able to provide for themselves is it's a huge, huge uh, economic advantage for them and for the rest of the, the, the community they live in. But that's not 
uh, it's not as always easy as that. You've got other factors. Like I said earlier, things that we we just take for granted. Um, the fact that I can go down to the grocery store when we're out of milk and the fact that I can just drive down there and drive back. People sometimes don't have transportation. Grocery stores aren't close enough. Uh, they, the prices on groceries that are around them may be too high. So there's a lot of different factors. And by addressing all 10 of those factors, no one group is going to be able, able to address all 10 of those factors. But there are maybe 10 individual groups who are addressing one specific factor. And you put those all together and set them loose on a community. And then they can really ha- make a difference. So if someone wants to join in on this endeavor, who do they talk to? Give me a call. Shoot me an email. My uh, Our job right now, our main focus is to compile what's going right in the state. What are some of the, the promising practices that we see uh, with different organizations around the state? Um, you know, uh, visit the, the chamber website, flchamber.com, and there's a prosperity link on there you can look at. Uh, you can shoot me an email as well, uh, mwilliams at flfoundation.org. Okay. And you mentioned the successful programs. Have you found any yet? Yeah, there's some there's some really good things going around the, the, the state right now. Uh, there's a group, and, and this is something uh, we're working on. There's a group called Purpose Built Communities. Uh, they have they're they're building a uh, taking communities that exist that are uh, in poverty and revitalizing them without uh, getting rid of the existing population, letting the existing population have ownership over those areas, bringing them into the process, and letting them be part of the solution. Gentrification uh, without displacement. Gentrification without gentr- gentrification. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> if you can pull that off, that would be a heck of exactly. an accomplishment. And and you know, we took a tour around one of the areas they're doing uh, right now, and it's 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 fantastic. I got you. And they've got lots of lots of uh, those. That's just one example, but there's lots of different groups around the, the state. Terrific. Our guest this morning has been Michael Williams with the Florida Prosperity Initiative. Thank you for, so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Absolutely. On your calendar of events today, the Florida Association's Big Red Bus Tour continues in Fernandina Beach and Daytona Beach, part of a statewide campaign for funding of public schools. Former Governor Jeb Bush will give an opening keynote address at the National Summit on Education Reform in San Diego. The event is hosted by the Foundation for Excellence in Education, which is chaired by Bush. The Florida Defense Alliance meets at 8 this morning at the Renaissance Tampa International Plaza. The Foundation of Associated Industries of Florida will hold a cybersecurity forum at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. Speakers include Florida's Chief Financial Officer, the Secretary of the Department of Management Services, Florida's Secretary of State, and Representative James Grant of Tampa. It starts at 9. The Florida Citrus Commission meets in Polk County at 9 to talk about budget issues and global marketing. The state's Revenue Estimating Conference will discuss a long-term revenue forecast. That's at 9 in the Knott Building in Tallahassee. The University of Central Florida Board of Trustees meets in Orlando at 11.30 to talk about their search for a new president. The Triumph Gulf Coast Board of Directors, which helps administer settlement money from the Deepwater Horizon disaster, is meeting in Franklin County at 1. Issues include a $64 million proposal by the Okaloosa County Commission for a southwest Crestview bypass, a $2 million proposal for infrastructure along U.S. 331 in Walton County, and more than a million dollars for career and technical training at Franklin County Schools. A fundraising reception is scheduled for State Representative Mike Caruso of Delray Beach, who's running for re-election in Palm Beach County's District 89. It starts at 6 at Museum 66 in Boynton Beach. And time once again for the ongoing misadventures of Florida Man, that not-so-superhero of the Sunshine State. 
A 380-pound Florida man busted with a syringe of methamphetamine was hit with additional charges after a search at the Pinellas County Jail. Deputies found a small plastic bag with almost three grams of meth wedged deep within the belly cavity of 41-year-old Martin Skelly of St. Petersburg. Now, the original charges had been possession of narcotics and drug paraphernalia. The discovery of the Skelly belly meth resulted in two more felony charges. Those are introducing contraband into a correctional facility and narcotics possession. The guy's already done three years in state prison for previous offenses, including cocaine trafficking, theft, drunk driving, narcotics possession, violating probation, and possession of drug paraphernalia. Finally, deputies in Polk County say they've arrested a Florida man for punching a Little League umpire in the face. 22-year-old Alberto Ramos was attending his nephew's baseball game and was not happy about the umpire's call. Ramos met up with him after the game, began screaming at the guy. When he was asked to leave, Ramos yelled back that he would kick his ass, then punch the umpire in the face, cutting his lip, breaking a tooth. He's charged with felony battery of a sports official. Yes, there really is such a charge. Congratulations, you have made it all the way through another episode of Sunrise. What say we do it again tomorrow? I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics.